part. I'm talking about the Bethel. Now, Bethel is the place where we live. And uh, the front part had about four stories. It was two houses, and they were connected. Brother Russell's study and his bedroom and his parlor were on one side. And then the, this was when I went in there. It was November 1909. And uh, then the other side in the front had the parlor and then bedrooms up on three floors. And uh, in the base of the... Uh, well, like a sub, you go down a few steps. That was the dining room. Oh, the dining room could have been maybe 30 feet long, maybe 25, and one table. Brother Russell sat at one end of the table, and at that time, Brother Van Amberg sat at the other. And then we, in the morning, we'd have um, we'd have the morning resolve. No, not the morning resolve, but the vow read at the table, and we'd have a hymn and a prayer. Brother Russell always led in prayer. And uh, then we'd have the manna text and then questions on the manna. And in this dining room on the far side, there was a, just a big mantelpiece, and just one thing was on that mantel. And that also impressed me. You walk around there and you'd read that motto, just a little one about, oh, four inches by an inch and a half, and this is what it says. Bring here no tattle in and take none out, so shall the love of God dwell in this house. So you'd have to go way over there to read it, and after you got over there, anybody saw you know that you'd read it. <laughs> uh, and while we were in the, at the study room, Brother Russell would get, he'd have a little fun once in a while. And uh, about the middle on the one side was uh, Brother DeJek, and, uh, and on the other side was Sister Her, just about in the middle. Sister Her was a housekeeper, and she was from Boston, had this Boston accent. Well, as Brother Russell at noontime, noontime would carve the meat, he'd ask, whether they wanted to lean or whatever. And so they came down to Brother Cole. He was a vegetarian. He said, I'll have a clean plate, Brother. So Brother Russell <laughs> took the plate, and he looked at him, turned it over. Please hand this to Brother Cole. I think it's clean. <laughs> All with a straight face. And, and then down a little further, he came to Sister Her. I'll have a little fat, Brother. And Brother Russell keeps cutting the meat, and uh, he says, Brother, the check Sister Her wants to see you. So Brother Jackie gets up over here, toddles all around the little down here. You wish to see me, Sister Her? No, I don't want to see you. Brother Russell say you wish to see me. Brother Russell, I didn't say I wanted to see Brother Jackie. You asked for a little fat brother. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then sometimes uh, one morning, I guess it was morning, yes, he came in with a real long face. And, so we knew we were in for something. And he said, uh, last night, he said, two brothers had to stay up all night to repair the furnace. It had burned out because somebody had turned a valve. And uh, and I asked the brother why he turned the valve. I don't know, Brother Russell. He says, uh, friends, he says, whenever you do anything, he says, have a reason for it, even if it's a poor reason. <laughs> and I've often thought, that if the Lord asks me, for instance, why did I do something that night? That'll uh, kind of what I would answer. It can't help me decide whether I should do it or not. Well, oh, and another time, Brother Russell wasn't always real well. Seven o'clock was the time for breakfast, and the first thing in the morning when he'd come, he'd look at the clock that was back of his chair, one of these weathered oak open-faced clocks with brass figures on it, and we waited till seven, and it was five after seven and ten after seven. And uh, there was a brother, Brother Russell's right hand. We all had these big dinner napkins, you know. And he took his napkin and hung it over the clock. 
and it was 20 after when Brother Russell came in. And when he came in, his face was so white, he looked as though it was all he could do to come at all. And he looked at that clock, and his, he, he was just hurt. But he was, went through the breakfast service, and that night he was all brightened up again. He said, well, friends, he says, uh, Brother gave me a gift today, and he, he asked me not to say who it was from, and he pulled out a gold watch. And uh, it said, to CTR from CJW. He said, I, I couldn't, he didn't say I couldn't read what was in it. And so he read that, so that was from that brother, you see, that had done that. So, uh, a little experiences like that sometimes. Well, then, the, at that time, they had to build a new part because it was too small. The back part of the uh, uh, the lot, the, it was such a deep incline, steep incline, with a building in the back on the street below, uh, back of it, and that was four stories down from the street level in front. So they built a new part right on top of that. But before that was done, my papa had to use the the sleep in the parlor, and he and Brother Russell used the same bathroom. They got pretty close together a lot. And one night he said to Papa, he said, oh, Brother Keene, he said, I'm so tired. He said, I could sit right through this chair. I could sit right through this floor. I could sit right through to the kitchen. That was two floors down. Oh. So he was pretty tired that night. Then when we got into the uh, larger dining room that day, he said, well, this noon lunch we'll have in the new dining room. So when we got into the new dining room, we didn't know where our places were, and we all ooh, stood around the wall. Then he assigned the heads of the tables. There were there were uh, four tables on that side and five on this. And uh, so he put Brother Burgess on the one in the corner, and then Brother Brennan, and then Brother Ritchie. No, Brother Brennan and then Brother Ritchie. And then he put my. And then he skipped one, and then he put my father's, and then Brother F. F. Cook. And then on the other side in the corner was Rutherford. And then across from him was Brother Rockwell, and then Brother Van Amberg, and Brother Hoskins. And uh, so we knew that, that when they didn't have any one for that was for him. So we had the privilege of being right next to us. There were, there were uh, 11 at the shorter tables on, on our side and 13 at the tables on the other side. And there we had, uh, the service was the same. But uh, at noontime, at nighttime, they had Bible questions and it. He would call on different brothers for the answers, and then he'd sum them up. And uh, it was 1909. We had so much on the on the sin offering and the covenants. And uh, he sometimes he talked 20 minutes. So uh, to utilize that, his secretary, Sister Tomlins, was given a table right back of Brother Russell behind a screen, and just a little table, and she'd take down all the comments mm -hmm. that uh, were made. And sometimes they'd become the basis of a typewriter oh I'm going to ask you who sat at his table uh, oh. did particularly pick something? well uh, they were I guess they did uh, the uh, brother in charge of the dining room was brother Holmes and I guess they arranged it everybody had their own napkin ring and when the napkin was placed you found where you were of course we the rest of us that day he said to find our own places and naturally they uh, we were around Papa's table and brother Richie and his wife I don't know just that well, was the range of living. Maybe, you know, they were oh. like that. Maybe he had some of the elders or the... Well, the rest of them, they, those were called the heads of the tables, and the rest of them were could find their places as they would. Oh, I, I hurried up and took mine on the far side because then I knew I could see it. <laughs> when, you know, in the manna, he would call on some sister to read the manna. Then, then they had the comments, and read, uh, they, they'd have the uh, discussion, and read the comments. And once he had called on me, and... I started reading, Sister, lift up your voice like two trumpets. <laughs> 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 Didn't read loud enough. <laughs> uh, 
Well, we all had uh, the same kind of chairs, but one Christmas somebody got the idea that we should give Brother Russell a, a host chair with arms on because he'd sit there so long and talk, you know, and he should have a more comfortable chair. So we all put our little pennies together and, and got him a chair with, with, uh, with arms on it, you know, a regular host chair, nothing fancy, and had a great big bouquet of uh, all, ribbon with all the tabernacle colors, you know, and a card to Brother Russell from the family. And Christmas morning, he'd always come in, Merry Christmas, instead of, otherwise it would be always good morning all. And so uh, he sat down, we had our regular service and everything, and he never said a word about a chair. And when we were about finished, he said, well, friends, he says, maybe you thought I didn't see my chair. He says, I want to try it first. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, you know, was kind of touched by it. And uh, at Christmas time and Easter time, Brother... Uh, Pearson from Cromwell, Connecticut, who was a uh, florist in a large in a large dimension each way. In fact, there's a Pearson, Florida, that I think was named for him, where he had uh, holdings. Well, he would send us flowers every. We'd have a plant on every table, beautiful plant, and then he made a little conservatory in the hallway there, you know, with gravel and so forth, where the plants were kept at night. And then we had uh, uh, stuff strung across. You know, that red straw or something, I don't know what it was. I mean, to show that Brother Russell was now Christmas. And then in the far corner of the dining room over there was a, uh, the baptismal fount. The floor was cement and this was cement uh, fount and then had cement steps down. First Sunday of every quarter they had immersion, if anybody wanted. And then Tuesday night, uh, uh, if anybody, the heads of the department saw Brother Russell after, a meet, after the noon meal. Because his, his office was right there at the Bethel. And um, so uh, well, sometimes he'd be standing there. At the, there was kind of a shelf there for a couple of hours, you know, different ones seeing him. That's what he... And then at night, when, on Tuesday nights, the family could have appointments. And so they'd line up. He'd start at 7, 7, 5, 7, 10, 7, 15, 7, 20. So they could whatever complaints they had. <laughs> they built a, a subway there or something, and of course they went 24 hours with their air hammers and one thing or another. And Brother Russell said, you know, he says, uh, well, Sister James has asked me if I couldn't get them just to work during the days because she can't sleep with those air hammers going in. That's <laughs> what Brother Russell had to put up with. <laughs> now he says, if we have a clear conscience, he says, we can go to sleep the minute we our head touches the pillow. <laughs> Uh, then uh, oh he was cute sometimes and he called on the brother he only called on the brothers didn't call on the sisters and uh, sisters hardly ever asked a question sometimes he could write out a, they'd write out a question to the table but they uh, he'd call on somebody now for instance he'd say well brother Sambon what is your thought and, and brother Sambon would say well uh, if he was feeling particularly good he'd say well glad to know you're well brother <laughs> or he'd call somebody and say well I don't think but do you think they say like that he is quick uh -huh. one time he had uh, we had public meetings at the uh, academy music and finally they had them there every Sunday in the smaller hall because the tabernacle that's where the offices were our, most of us worked there and the, cha the regular chapel was too small they'd have six and seven hundred which was pretty good and so uh, and he was there the first Sunday of the month I believe so he told the congregation he would like to entertain them all at tea. At Bethel we had breakfast, lunch, and tea. <laughs> but he said he couldn't have them all at once because there wasn't enough room at Bethel, so he would invite all the 
men folks or the brothers, I forget what you said, for one Thursday and all the ladies the next Thursday. And so the night when the men folks were there, why, we sisters stayed at the tabernacle and the brothers waited on the tables. Brother Russell asked them how they got the truth and uh, different things like that. And most of them got the truth through the volumes. And he said, well, he was thankful that he had encouraged some to go into the call porter where he didn't say anything about that he wrote the book. <laughs> and then the, the night when the sisters were there, I, the brothers stayed at the tabernacle, and we girls from the sisters in the office waited on the table, and then he was the only brother there, of course. And after we sat down to the second table, he came and waited on us, poured our tea or coffee, whatever it happened to be. And I said, well, Brother Russell, you make a good waiter. And he said, well, I've been waiting a long time. <laughs> Um, well, maybe that's enough. At the tabernacle, we had the, when you came in, there was the store, and then uh, the sister always, and that's where they had the volumes and charts and models and cross and crown pins and Bibles for sale. And then you go into the office, and uh, there they had the volunteer department, you know, for tracts and printing department, ours was the program department. And then the correspondence department, the United States and Canada were were divided, I think, into four or five sections, and each desk got the mail, all the mail from that section. And then they'd open it, and uh, and they had a sheet, and they'd put down all the money that came in. There'd be a column for orders, and a column for tower renewals and contributions, and then they'd make out the labels and things like that. And then Brother Hirsch was there with his, he was the copy, the uh, proofreader, and editor like that. I mean, he'd, he'd uh, see that the tower was put into shape. And then the back part was a tower wrapping. And then basement was a shipping department where they shipped the things out. And there was a call porter department. And at 10 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we'd, we'd stand and sing a verse of a hymn. Some sister would pass around a little slip with the hymns on it. And uh, this sister uh, in the store, she got a present one Christmas of a clock. One of those, you know, that flips over it has 60 uh, leaves, and it, you know, it would be 5-1 and 5-2 and like that. And and so uh, my father came in, you know, he was rather poetic, and so he says, looked at me, he says, as, king, as moments pass, the kingdom nears. And so then he wrote a little poem that's in the reprints. But by that clock, just and it's very uh, you know arresting how that some how fast those moments pass. You mean every time a moment? A minute, a minute, and the clock over. Where is the place now where they don't it's printed about the same place? No, that's in Rutherford, New Jersey. This was in Brooklyn, New York, right near the Brooklyn Bridge. And the Bethel was uh, in, it was about six, seven blocks away, but it was in a very nice section. And you could write, uh, overlook uh, the East River. You could see uh, New York City, Lower New York, and the Hudson Bridge. Uh, no, the Brooklyn Bridge. And uh, once in a quarter, Brother Russell would have a union prayer meeting at the Tabernacle, and then, of course, we walked. And he had a silk hat that the friends in London had given him. And when you were in London, were a public speaker, you had to have a silk hat to... The friends gave it to him. Well, he had this silk hat, and he wore this down at the tabernacle this time. I happened to be back of him a little ways, and he was walking ahead with some brothers. And the tabernacle was in kind of a tough section, ragamuffin sort of. And so after the meeting, we were walking behind with some friends, I suppose, and a bunch of little boys tagged after Brother Russell. And they said, Pastor Russell, tabernacle, Pastor Russell, tabernacle. And, you know, he turned around, he took his hat off and made a very 
good evening, boys. He had a rich voice. The boys just scampered. <laughs> Well, that's the tabernacle. I don't think have they. Have they? But they they tore down this uh, front part of the building where we live, this vessel, huh? And then uh, oh, uh, and they tore down and they bought the house next door and they put up a modern office building, very modern. Uh, so the vessel was the living quarters and the tabernacle was the working. Yes, accepting the. At the uh, Bethel, Brother Russell's office was there, mm -hmm. and uh, the newspaper department where the sermons were, and when they were doing the photodrama, were, they had uh, several brethren there, especially to hand color the slides. They had these special, the slide would be in this machine that they had a kind of velvet curtain around them, and they'd hand paint those slides, and when they put them on the wall, they looked like just magnificent paintings, not tinted, but really had mm -hmm. deep colors, beautiful. And they did that at the festival? Yeah. When the, tabard, when the photodrama was going on, we had maybe 150 or more people there. And then the basement, way down there was the, uh, the kitchen, and they had a, quite a bake oven down there. And another floor, they had a school for the brethren to learn to run the uh, motion picture machines and to run the slides. Because when, you know what the photo, do you all know what the photodrama was? Yeah. Two hour sessions and four parts. So there you mean there were 125 living there? Maybe 150 sometimes. So the mm -hmm. back part of that were all tables that could be used. Where on earth did you put them all? Well, there were four floors in this new part, and there were, see, about 12 rooms on each floor. The first floor was offices. The second floor was for for uh, married couples. The third floor was for single sisters, and the top floor for the single brothers. That's when you had a lot like that, I could you doubled up in rooms. Well, yeah, when they had company, the single sisters, uh, uh, I mean, they uh, got the visiting sisters, and each room had a folding bed in it, a little cots, you know, that you pull out, besides your regular bed, and the brothers had the same thing, and when they were extra brothers, they sent with them, but on our floor, it seemed like we always got the company, <laughs> at the time, I thought that was, it wasn't fair, but I was glad now, because we've met friends that were with us, and... I was in the Pilgrim Department. We got the uh, Pilgrim Report. Papa had charge of the department, and uh, and when the Pilgrim Reports, and I would send out the notices, like you get those notices of the Pilgrims, I used to send them out. And once a year, they had Pilgrim Requests. They had a form in the Watchtower for the classes to fill out. If you want, do you have regular meetings? Do you want Pilgrim visits? Do you want Sunday dates? And give two names of uh, two to whom notices should be sent. And I sent those out for about eight or nine years, I guess, so I can tell their brethren oh. their addresses, even yet, some of them. <laughs> and then when the children's reports came in, my, they would have orders on and so forth. And and every and then I'd make out labels for the orders, and then the brethren had accounts, and, uh, uh, you know, they had money, and I, if they were short of money, we had to see the checks were sent to them. And then... Uh, uh, Oh, every town had a folder made out for it, and these pilgrims' reports were put in. And they told not only how many meetings they held and how many attended and whether they were the regular elders, but if there was any special report on them. And one place, they had two classes, and I said to Papa, I said, well, if I was there, I said, there wouldn't be two classes, you know, like about 20, 25, 20 years old. And he said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd tell them to get together. What do you want to get? Huh? Why? Oh, well, I don't know. Some like Minneapolis. 
I imagine. Personality. Lack of, he said, and one of the towers you've noticed, you've probably read, it says that if uh, if they want to go hair splitting or something like that, they'd have to have separate classes. Isn't that the what it says? Mm -hmm. <sighs> well, I guess that's enough. Hey, you probably would like to know how the dawn got started. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, yes, it would be interesting to know about your... Uh, I told you that once, didn't I? Yeah, we wanted it on tape. <laughs> I didn't hear it. No, no. Well, uh, I here. It, it, well, I better tell you first how Rutherford got in. Yes. Uh, see, Brother Russell died in, no in the end of October 1916. The next Sunday, uh, the first Sunday in December, in November, was his funeral. And the, and the first Sunday in December. Uh, they had a meeting in the New York Temple. That was the building that they built to show the photodrama in New York. And, and uh, the brother Martin was giving the talk, and he said, "The society is the Lord's channel, and if the Lord sends muddy water through the channel, that's the Lord's responsibility." You don't seem to me like blasphemy, our brother Martin. From the, and uh, he said that uh, it seemed like blasphemy. Well, then. Uh, when, uh, as soon as Brother Russell died, Brother Ritchie was supposed to have been president because he was vice president. And uh, Rutherford sent, had, been, had been away, sent away, I understand. He sent a telegram, don't do anything till I come. And when he came, he walked right into Brother Russell's study and took care of things, uh, just handled things. And, and the will said that Brother Russell's sister should have charge of the funeral. And my father, and she was down in Florida, and we knew she was poor. And so Papa said, we told Rutherford we ought to send for Sister Land to give her some, uh, send money to her so she can, oh, he said, we haven't got any money for that. You know, if you had your wits about you, you might have, but you never mistrusted a brother. And so then they had a director's meeting, Brother Ritchie told us, and he went to take the chairman's chair, and McMillan put his hand across the arms of the chair and said, we're saving that for the judge. And they wouldn't, he wouldn't let Brother Ritchie take charge of the meeting. And uh, so Brother Ritchie said he knew he'd have to go to court and uh, the Bible says, don't go to court with your brother. So what should he do? So he asked the Lord for a sign. He said, like Gideon did, he didn't know what else. Because he was responsible to the friends. And if he was to go to court, the friend, if anybody called him president in the next 24 hours, which they had been doing, but they didn't. Not a one. So he decided not to go to court. So then the Brother Russell's will, First, I might tell you incidentally that before that, sometime before, Brother Russell had told us about the society. Now he says, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society is a business organization. He says, we have to be incorporated in order to hold a bank, have a bank account or to hold property or make contracts for printing or anything. And now he says, anybody that puts in $10 into the society gets one vote. And anybody, uh, he says, I have put in more money than anyone else and I control the society. He says, if anyone puts in more money than I ever did, why? I'm glad to turn them over to them because that shows they have more business. You see, the society is not the channel of God's truth, it's a business organization. Brother Russell. Of course, the way Yeah, yes, I didn't. And so, uh, in his will, he bequeathed his vote, his controlling interest in society, to three sisters. When Rutherford came along and took care of it, he says he can't bequeath votes, and he threw them out. You see, and then it could be controlled by proxies or whatever. So he got himself elected and was president. Well, that was in January. In February, he asked my father and mother and youngest sister to leave. 
And then he sent a letter around to all the family, the Bethel family, to sign it. It says, we, the undersigned, give the president of the society a blanket vote of confidence. You know what that means. Whatever you do is all right by me. Well, we, and, <laughs> well, whoever didn't sign it should write a letter to him. So, of course, my sister and I we were the only ones that were left of the family who didn't sign it. And, and we wrote him a letter and told him why. Well, in a little while, they were having a convention in Boston, and they always sent the friends, the Bethel family, there, paid their expenses and so forth. And we told them we didn't want to go because our brethren, whom he had put out as director, had printed a paper telling what was going on to let the friends know. That was sent up there, and he sent up papers up there, and we knew it would be a, wouldn't be anything spiritual. So we said, we would. well, he said, if you stay here while we go, we'll give you the same money that we give them, and... and uh, so you take a vacation. You take a month. You need it. We were gone a week, and we each got a letter and told us not to come back. Well, that's enough of that, isn't it? Uh, our family, that's the Keene family, when we were put out, we moved to Rutherford, and we always had a testimony meeting there from 1917 on. And about 12 years later or so, uh, someone called us up from Brooklyn and said, Do you know that Brother Woodworth has been put out of the society? Now, Brother Woodworth lived in Rutherford, and Sister Rutherford has her business there. She's a Swiss masseuse. So we called up and says, come over to the testimony meeting. And uh, after about three weeks, he came, and he gave the la he was the last one to testify. And he said, well, friend, the reason I didn't come sooner wasn't because I couldn't come, but he says I came from such a filthy place. And then he uh, said, he told us about the Frank and Ernest radio program. We had been away from the society. It might have been in Timbuktu, because if we wouldn't sell the seventh volume... We could have no names of the literature for anything. We just couldn't do anything. So um, uh, he, uh, then he said, uh, he told us about Frank and Ernest, and he said, sometimes we get a thousand names. Well, we said, why can't we do it? He said, well, anybody can do it that has the money. So our Brooklyn class, as a class, appointed the elders a radio committee, and they got $1,300 together for 13 weeks. Was this in 29? And for W.O.R., yes. And uh, 1929, and uh, 31. oh, 1931, that we actually put it on. Well, that's a fine station, and we had a half an hour, the first half hour Sunday mornings. And Brother Woodworth and Brother Frank Dawson, uh, they were the ones that had worked in before on it, and, and this was Brother Woodworth's uh, program anyway. He had originated it, so he was entitled to use it. And uh, my father uh, was in the in the uh, fidelity insurance business. He had a customer downtown in New York who left him use his address to receive uh, inquiries, and the inquiry would be, what they would send would be a copy of the program, just the way it was, and the, the Rutherford Republican newspaper office would print it. So uh, uh, we went upstairs to my sister's apartment to hear this Frank and Ernest program, and there my father sat with the tears running down his face. He says, think of the truth coming out of that little old wooden box. <laughs> you know, nobody had a corner on the truth. And then the next day he came home with a handful of letters. I think around 200 replies the first time. So you can imagine how we felt. So uh, then uh, my sister and I, we addressed the, uh, the papers to send them out. And then Brother Woodward said, if we had a mailing list, I mean, um, if we could get the second class mailing privileges, he said it would, would be cheaper to just mail these things out. So uh, the uh, radio committee authorized uh, a letter, my father about a thousand names of friends, to send us out to the friends, offering them to subscribe for this Radio Echo to come out every week with the program. 
And so uh, sure, you have to have 200 paid subscriptions, the minimum. So we got 200, and my sister took them over to the New York Post Office to show the postmaster that they were bona fide subscriptions and got the second-class mailing privileges. But you had to agree to have the publication go out at regular intervals. So that was all right, and so we uh, sent them out that way. And then Brother Woodruff said, if I had a, a, a foot printing press, he said, I know about printing. I could set it up in the garage, and we wouldn't have to pay the printers to uh, print this every week. So uh, uh, somebody got a hold of a used press, and they set it up in the, in the basement of a brother's apartment house in New York. And Brother Woodruff would go over there. And now all the time, the, this uh, subscription list was increasing because their friends liked this little paper. It had little notes in the back of it. And so uh, then the 13 weeks were up. And... Uh, uh, now, what would they do? And Well, there were only four people that put that $1,300 together, and they thought, well, by this time, if it was the Lord's work, why more people should want to have a part in it. So uh, we circularized them again under the radio committee's name. You see how it was, it was the Ecclesia's work, really, the way that worked out. So, uh, but we didn't get the $1,300 for the next 13 weeks, and Brother Woodward said, well, sometimes they do stop in the summertime anyway, but we had the obligation of getting out a regular publication to meet the post office requirements under the second class mailing privileges and so that's how that and we had the subscriptions so they had to be continued well then that went along and then uh, the friend said that brother Woodward would have to have a power press because he would work till two three o'clock in the morning and then back to rutherford from new york he's so impractical that way so uh, then the uh, next thing was a sister saw an ad in the paper in Brooklyn of a man, a printer, wanted to retire. Someone take over his... Well, when he found out that this was the same as Brother Russell's, because they used to do work for the, him in those old days, he left him have the whole thing for about $125 a month. Oh, Line of type and things like that. And that went along for a while. He even had living quarters there until the printer, the old man died, and the estate had to be sold and uh, to be settled. Then they went on their own. In the meantime, they were starting to print tracks and reprint the first volume. Then, what happened next? Then they had a house on the, uh, near there where the friends at work lived, like a Bethel. And you see, the work kept increasing. I can't give you the years exactly. When did the name Don? Well, it changed just about that time. Now, the brother, whose basement he used, had helped so much, he thought he ought to have a right to put an article in the Don. He did not believe in the Lord's presence. Well, that was the time when they came out and say, a herald of Christ's presence. And that probably be at that time when the dawn was changed from a weekly to a semi-monthly. First they had a large one and then a small one, and then they finally had it monthly. I don't know what year it was they moved to Rutherford, though. 44. In 1944. And they found a plant over there. You mean they wouldn't let this man... And this? Uh, in about 1940, the uh, some of the local ecclesias, separate individual ecclesias, suggested to their brethren that they uh, make discs of their uh, uh, dialogue with Frank and Ernest and let the Ecclesias try to make uh, contracts for their own local radio stations. So they did, and it was uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh and uh, New York and Saginaw, maybe Chicago, and it mushroomed, and it went on until, uh, until 1949. There was a brother who was in the business made out of... Uh, List that we had, it was his business. At the Bowling Green Convention in 1949, 
the brethren voted to uh, see if they could put on the chain of the uh, of the Frank and Ernest broadcast. I think it was Columbia, wasn't it? Uh, or American, what are, American broadcasting chain, and uh, so they made a Good Hopes box. Uh, made a box with uh, to to receive slips from the friends to indicate if they felt that this should be done to what extent they would feel they'd be able to uh, support it financially each month. And uh, I can remember Brother Woodworth walking around that box, sensing the responsibility that that would bring to him. Well, it did show enough uh, uh, interest, financial support from the friends to accept this uh, prospectus of chain stations, and they went ahead and did it. And they were then they made the contract for it. And as I remember it, they made a contract for a year. But if they kept it on for a year, the uh, the broadcasting chain would return uh, one month's uh, what do you call rental or the cost of one month and uh, the eleventh month came around and they didn't have money for the twelfth month and the brother widows wondered what they were going to do but here the check the refund check came a month they thought it would come at the end of the twelfth month but it came at the end of the eleventh month so they had enough money so the Lord rewarded their faith and that's the one thing the brethren seem to do they don't uh, put the money into property but they carry it along on mortgages and put the money into the work I don't know what else I can give let's see they now have the, the, this plant where they have when they moved to Rutherford in 1944 they bought an old uh, bank building and uh, that's really in East Rutherford just across the railroad tracks from Rutherford and then they got a home in Rutherford a big old house that <clears throat> that's where the friends uh, have their living quarters and then they later bought another uh, property for living on uh, Wilson Avenue in another part of Rutherford and it's uh, that's where Brother Woodworth has his office and Brother uh, Loomis uh, he answers the uh, mail of the uh, doctrinal questions and that's where the, uh, uh, the uh, tapes are made for the uh, tape recording lecture service Brother Wyda is the head of that and they hold testimony meetings Wednesday nights at this 37 Wilson Avenue place I can't tell just how many rooms are there would you know and Brother Woodworth doesn't live at any of these places His Sister Woodworth has, he had their own home and uh, so he, he lives there in, in his private home but has, they, he takes supper with the friends at, uh, or the, we would call it dinner, the evening meal, at uh, 145 uh, West Passaic Avenue. That's the, where most of the friends live. And uh, breakfast is served here, too, at 145 West Passaic. And the noon meal at the uh, plant where the printing is done and the uh, correspondence is carried on and the subscription list and Brother Krupa's office they, those friends, they have lunch. Uh, the sisters at the home send down uh, uh, material for a lunch, like they'll have soup and uh, sandwiches and maybe cheese and a light lunch and some homemade cookies and some fruit and maybe lettuce and so forth. And one or two of the sisters from the office force is assigned each day to see that the lunch is laid out and that the dishes are washed. And... Uh, 
What other things of interest? Well, I think Billy Krupa. He's the manager there at the at the plant. They do the printing there. That's on the top floor. There was something else I was thinking would be of interest. That's oh, and in the back of this plant there was a garage, quite a large brick building, and that's where the stock is kept uh, for the shipping of the books and the uh, and the tracks, and that's where the dons are mailed out. And what they call dawn day is the day the dons are mailed. The uh, friends in the neighborhood come and volunteer that day and help to get them mailed out. How how many are there now? Something like fifteen, twenty thousand. It's quite a lot. That many dons. Well, some and that's a lot. And uh, Sister Gleason, she handles the uh, mail from the uh, Frankeners and the TV mail. It comes in from Box 60 in New York, and then they have a, a sheet of perforated labels, and they make them out in duplicate. And those little slips you get with the names on, uh, that's the duplicate. And the, this front one is the label itself that they use and paste on the little envelopes that they mail the booklets out in. So that's quite a work. And uh, Sister Presnall, I think, is Brother Krupa's secretary now. And uh, Maxine, I think, is in the subscription department, isn't she? Takes care of the Dawn subscriptions, and that's quite a list. Quite a room of stencils and things they have there. One thing we've wondered, when we got those slips, is some of those abbreviations. Yes. Um, well, they're made mainly, of course, for the ones that are filling the orders. The orders are filled from the original. I know, but we like to. I know, and I know, and I've written for the list too, and uh, you can write for a list, but it changes. We've written, but it didn't Well, write again. No, write to the Dawn Bible Students Association. Please, please take note and give me something. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I think that uh, that's what they 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 like to have you follow them. And at, in the old days, uh, uh, it it was uh, uh, it was dis uh, discouraged you know, to write personal letters to personal people and sign things to sign West Star Bible and Tract Society and and uh, that was it and not to have sign write personal letters. I I like to encourage that there, so I always write to the Dawn Bible Students Association. Do you know how many are at the Dawn? I don't know. Could take a guess. Let's see. Well, there. Maybe we can. Well, we couldn't name them all. I guess. Maybe twenty-five or thirty. Would you say, Chester? I think. The way I remember. Yeah. These volunteers, we don't count. At the table at the uh, at one forty-five. Uh, where they have the evening, have breakfast on the evening meal is a T-shaped, and each one is assigned their own place, and uh, then they try to have uh, questions and answers at the table, but they don't have uh, have company. Why they like to know if there are any interesting experiences anybody's had, and after supper, after the meal, why each one picks up their plate and cup and saucer and knife and fork and takes it out in the kitchen. And somebody, they take turns in washing the dishes too, so the sisters that work in the kitchen are relieved. Mm, that's when, nice. So that's nice. Sister Dowling is the one who takes care of the. And the housework, and Brother Covers, the elder Brother Covers from Buffalo, he works around there. He does anything. He'll work in the yard if it needs or any place. And Sister Dowling, she helps with the housework, and I don't know who's a cook right now. And I just said, uh, 
Sister Livermore is there sometimes, you know. <laughs> one likes this and one likes that. And I was then, just going to say. And then they have, a, they have a, a quota, you know, they can't spend money. Just they must limit their expenses in a certain way. They have a freezer. Sister uh, Diver, she's in Allentown, she's the one that she'll take cans of cookies to them, homemade cookies, you know. That's time to spare. And Sister Caturba, she's a wonderful worker. She has her family and they have their own home and two children and yet she can do anything. When they got the book binder, for instance, they that's quite a machine and the people that sold them the machine would instruct the operator and Sister Caturba is the one they said it would take two or three months. In two weeks she had it. Oh. Uh, expert. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know, the Lord, remember how they, when they built the tabernacle, the Lord they gave certain ones, certain arts, what was that one? How was that one? Vesalia. What did he? He had the spirit of wisdom and cunning work about it. I suppose in carving the gold and making it, making the... Well, I can't think of anything else. Well, what, what oh, I forget. <laughs>